So, do we know how many people listen to it? Like, do I have, we have any stats? I'm sure I could, like, find out. Uh, I mostly haven't bothered because I'm sure I'd just be depressed about, you know, <laughs> four. The, the single-digit numbers? <laughs> yeah. See, I, I, I'm Where fully all expecting start, man. I'm fully expecting it to be single digits. Like, yeah. I would be happy. I was like, it's 10? Oh, my gosh. 10 people listen. <laughs> the other thing is that... Um, the freaking hosting platform thing that I'm using is just so bad. I, I just I need to get rid of it. I need to clear it out. And uh, this is the one you were like super excited about, right? No, no, it was oh. the first thing I found that would work semi in the way I could. I wanted it to work. Gotcha. A, AKA hosting it on my own server, sort of isolated. A lot of um, the hosting platforms. They they have these great plugins and systems that you can use that are designed for you to upload files to their service, and then mm-hmm. they host the file and and help. I don't know. They monetize whatever, right? And, right. And they have you know they charge you fees and such. And I have a robust enough server that I can handle a fairly decently sized listenership if we ever get to the point where my server can't handle this then we should be selling ads so yep yep <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go um yeah but i just wanted to sort of put something up so that we could host it ourselves and it became apparent after the fact that the little platform thing was really like especially terrible so that's too bad i've been looking around at alternate options yeah so how have you guys been good yeah nothing exciting it's just been playing games and wishing that i had more stuff to watch <laughs> i wish i had more time to play games i second that feeling hmm. we've we're we're as of recording here not published date but recording <laughs> we're like one week away from that's not a, no shade on michael over there um <laughs> We're like one week away from moving, and so like I've been between like packing a bunch of stuff up and like trying to sell a bunch of things on like Facebook Marketplace. It's just been chaos. Well, then on you have that on top of the whole the world is ending. So right, right. I did some quick uh, back of the napkin math, and I think we should be posting this right around the time that you sell this next house. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Hey, <laughs> it's only taken you what? Like, it's been two less than two weeks every time, right? So mm-hmm. we, it's been fairly consistent. We, the publishing has been fairly consistent. The problem is the lag between recording and publishing has been really bad, which means oh, yeah. that by the time that the last episode came out, and we all talked about. COVID-19 stuff, the entire world had changed. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and while I was finishing the edit, I was thinking, wow, we sound ridiculous, yeah. which was unfortunate. So, yeah, uh, update on that. Um, I guess I'm not going to the movie theater after yeah. all. Because <laughs> they're all closed. Yep. yep. I, I, think, I think even the nationwide chains are just closed. It's yeah. not even like a... AMC and Regal both closed down this last week. Yeah, those are the ones I saw. I wonder if Megaplex, which is the Utah chain, closed mm. down. Yeah, it's crazy. Luckily, to kind of combat that, um, a number of studios are starting to push uh, VOD um, to titles that were just out in theaters just recently. That's video so, on demand. Oh, my bad. Yeah. 
using that lingo. Yep, Megaplex is close. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, actually. Um, the video on demand stuff. Disney Plus published uh, Frozen 2 a little bit early and something else, right? I think Star Wars was a little early, oh, too. Star right? Wars, yeah, there you go. That and was Birds it. of Prey is coming out. Like Birds next of Prey week. is coming out next, yeah, the 24th, it? I think. Yeah, so next week. There's weekend. a bunch of stuff dropping on the 24th. Um, this weekend, which again, for those of you listening, is actually in the past. Um, like, Bloodshot's coming out, I think, which I think, is, like, that just released. That was a new release as of, like, a week ago. Well, I think for a lot of them, they, they're they not going to come out with them again. Like, they're not going to... Right, they're not so going to re-release like, them in theaters. They might as well. People are stuck inside. Let's try and find a business model that will at least make us a little money yeah and i appreciate it because i you know i didn't get a chance to go see bloodshot not that it was near the top of my list but um like the hunt is another one from uh universal that i wanted to see and i didn't get around to seeing um if you didn't see the invisible man go watch you rent that that's a good movie well and and i also want to like i i hope that it does well enough that they consider doing it in the future because the yeah. amount of time nowadays between when a theater release happens and the video release happens is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make the same sense that it made years ago. Because there's no, like, they could literally release it the day after it exits theaters if they wanted to. There's not anything they have to get together. At least not, like tech yeah. that they have together but there's always like the weird licensing deals with you know there's they're they're the main theaters and then there are the less expensive local theaters who get you know second run sort of right right yeah and then and then the airlines get you know <laughs> like next crack at it right and, uh, and so you know you could be taking a flight and think oh there was that movie i missed it in the theaters and it isn't out on disc yet well but i'm hoping though that what this proves is that they can make more money off of releasing them early than off of all those deals. Cause there's no way the airline industry with how bad they're doing is giving them a ridiculous amount of money for their movies. If they are, then the airline industry needs to seriously reconsider <laughs> their spending <laughs> considering they had financial troubles before COVID came. So, right. Yeah. There'll be some, there, there's probably some legal hoops there to jump through, um, that are kind of being, uh, shuffled under the bed currently just because theaters are down but you know i agree i think i think something like a six-week run in theaters would be good before it released on demand and then if they wanted to do another you know what do they do now two weeks of digital before it's available for purchase physically something like that so then you have like eight weeks from release depends on the studio yeah, yeah yeah and the size of the movie something like you know, an Avengers sized movie is going to try and keep people coming back to the theater as much as they can before it goes out for um, like digital, digital rental or purchase. But yeah, interesting times. So what you're saying is that there's a sense of false scarcity uh, <laughs> to drive <laughs> I mean, people to go to the theater. <clears throat> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've, all, they've always played around with that. Yeah, so I mean, it it made sense, you know, longer ago when production took longer and you had to make VHS tapes and stuff. But it's also it's all digital now. 
I think movie theaters, like when I don't, I can't name the last time I saw a movie in the theater with a like film projector. Well, and actually, did you see movies anywhere made an announcement too? I th- oh no, I didn't. So apparently they, and I, I, I don't know if they probably had it planned because there's like a bunch of images and stuff for it. But I, I, met, I they might have moved it up because of COVID. But there's basically movie or screen pass, and you can actually like give somebody else access to your movies. Oh, that's cool. Nice. So it's a cool idea. And you, I think it's, yeah, it's, you can share up to three films per month and give them temporary access to the recipient. So yeah. <sighs> that's fantastic. That's a great marketing idea because you get yeah. to see the surface, get to use it, get a sense of how it works. And, and I mean, movies anywhere was just such a great idea anyway, because I have a ton of movies and all those services just from codes that I got. So I actually probably use it more often than I would anyway, just because they're there. Yep. We're uh, we're on lockdown here at our house. We decided that no one's going out, so I did like <laughs> I did the last shopping trip for a couple of weeks and stocked up on food, and we're just chilling out at the house, and we're all going to drive each other crazy. But <laughs> good. I work from home normally, so it, the, the difference to me is that everybody's like the house is just more active during the day, which means it's harder to focus on doing right. work. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's the opposite where I'm, I'm alone at home. And so a lot of times my social interaction for half the week is going to work and interacting with people. So currently my social interaction comes from, you guys playing video games with you guys online <laughs> oh now i feel bad i haven't been playing enough <laughs> yeah what's the deal what are you like moving or something <laughs> trying to keep timothy sane i'm sorry it's okay we, yeah me and bjorn have been playing a lot of apex so we have been doing a fair amount of apex it's true mm, mm-hmm. good good i was yeah i never i didn't i didn't get to hop in and play on uh, king's canyon with you guys that bummed me out but oh well me and Michael have been playing a lot of Apex. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Names. What are names? Um yeah, I don't I'm not working from home yet. I know um we're talking about it at work. The challenge with me is that I don't have a laptop and it what I do, you can't just give me any old laptop off the shelf. Um so you need, if you I'm need gonna, something robust. If I'm going to work from home, they're either going to have to buy me a very nice new laptop or authorize me to take my iMac home. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll report back in two weeks when we record next the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, pretty much everyone else in our department is working from home. Uh, so I'm not really exposed to very many people anyways now see uh, for, for me with the gr- graphic arts uh and a little bit of video i generally have to move several gigs of of files around every mm-hmm. day um yep i can't even imagine what that's gonna look like for you with like video stuff yeah we've got a yeah so without getting into too much detail we do have like a like a mobile um external hard drive that I could throw everything on and everything that I need currently. Um, 
that I can use. And then if even if I didn't have something, I could pop back over to the office and right, grab it real quick. Right. Just minimize your contact. Yeah. yeah. Yep, exactly. All about minimiz- minimization. Apple today announced a new iPad Pro and with a magic keyboard case uh, and a new I- a MacBook Air and a new Mac Mini. <laughs> Which I was really surprised about, given that all that manufacturing is done in China. Well, I bet they... So this was probably... All that stuff is probably already manufactured. I would guess it was probably done, for the most part, maybe in less quantities than they would like, before the COVID thing really hit. Because this was all planned to be released at their... Mar- I think it was March 3rd event that that was rumored that got canceled. So I'm guessing that this is them just being like, hey, we're not going to have an event, but we're still going to announce all our products that we already mm. manufactured. I st- uh, but the iPad Pro is available today, right? Right. Uh, and the magic keyboard for it is May, I think. I mean, and, it, so th- and I bet I bet that wouldn't have been May before oh, COVID. Right. I, mm, um, sure, I sure. had similar thoughts when I saw the the website today. Yeah, do you want to do you want to talk about some of those 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 specs, Timothy? I know that uh, um, you're probably the most avid iPad user of the group. Yeah, I, I mean, my in a lot of ways, my iPad Pro has become kind of my main computer, uh, just because it's so much easier to just carry around with me for everyday use. Especially because websites are like ninety percent of what I do outside of work. So yeah, it's. I, I love it, and I di- I haven't looked at the specs too much on the new iPad Pro because mine works perfectly. It's got all the specs you'd imagine from a new one. It's got their new, brand new processor that is still blowing pretty much every other mobile manufacturer out of the water, and uh, it's got like it has a new depth sensing camera that apparently is supposed to make AR really cool. Yeah, that and, looks pretty fascinating. Yeah. Which I, I think it's interesting because like, you don't see a lot of people using AR with their devices. There is a small like market I know that exists for it, but they keep they keep pushing it. So I wonder if they have something really cool coming down the line eventually because they they're not giving up on it. So one of those really cool uh, applications of e- of AR that I've been using recently, actually in our move, is um, the ruler tool oh yeah Uh, you can essentially turn on the camera and using augmented reality you can measure things in you know that are around you so like mapping out okay how big is this room or you know this this closet seems you know can i fit a desk in here (laughs) yeah (laughs) those kind of things is really it's really pretty neat and you know one of the things uh i talked about was that I'm really excited for advances in AR, VR, um, MR? Yes. I actually use that ruler thing, not all the time, but I've used it quite a few times. Like uh, when I bought a new kitchen table, I like measured out the space using that. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome because you don't have to pull out uh, a tape measure, one of the that is always a pain to use when you're by yourself (laughs) (laughs) and uh or you can or you can just never find i know we have four tape measures around our house but i can never find one of them exactly exactly so yeah i think i think the thing i was excited about 
was the new keyboard because it's basically it's basically the new keyboard that's in their new laptops but it's a magic keyboard scissor switch yeah. yeah that's crazy and it has like a stand like it's actually a stand for the ipad it kind of reminded me of the pro display xdr with a magnetic mount you know like yeah. it's got the little mm-hmm. foot stand and then you just click it on there with a magnet and it stands freestanding it looked pretty cool well and, and really my only complaint about the smart folio i think is what it's called mm-hmm. keyboard is there's really just the two angles on the latest one and sometimes those two angles just like aren't right and it looks like this one can be adjusted quite a bit so yeah it fixes that problem for me the big uh difference with that with the keyboard is um this new one does not look like it was designed to be watertight mm, yeah uh, airtight oh yeah yeah um which is fine with me i'd rather have a good typing experience than the weird mushy keys that are on the <laughs> folio that those yeah. keep throwing me off uh, this one looks like it'll be actually good to type on pretty pleasant to type on yeah i agree and and really my only complaint about it is it's expensive it's like 350 dollars just for the keyboard. Yeah, for the 12 so, inch and $300 for the 11. That doesn't work with your Does that work with your it current? Does. Oh, that's nice. Okay. So it's Gen it's Gen 3 and Gen 4 for the 12 and Gen 1 and Gen 2 for the 11. So it works for the previous and the and the current one. That's fantastic. Plus not only does it have a very very nice keyboard, but it has a trackpad? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about that, huh? Um, I I think I think that probably comes mostly out of them watching how users use their iPad Pro, mm-hmm. because I don't think they ever thought that they would have to do that. But even me, as as we talked about, as someone that uses it all the time on a daily basis, you don't need one very often with a touch screen. But every once in a while, it'd just be nicer to have a cursor instead of having to touch the screen um sometimes it's easier to get yeah fine really fine control with it and and i think they they on the site they show like people selecting stuff in like document editing and stuff like that and yeah that's exactly the kind of stuff that it gets to be annoying when all you have is a touch screen so be interested to see how if it acts exactly like the one on mac it'll be awesome I love using my Apple Pencil as kind of like a I don't know stand in for 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 just getting finger fingerprints all over my screen. Yeah. Yeah, so to have that built into the keyboard, I do think that would that would be not will be nice. Um I don't again, I like what Timothy said. I don't know how often I'll use it, but it will be nice just to have the option. I think the only concern I have about it is it's hard to tell how much space it takes up. Like if it's shrinking the current keyboard or not, I can't tell because they haven't shown it side by side with the folio keyboard because mm. everything is moved back a little bit because the iPad's like floating now above it. So it could right. be, it could be that they just added space, but I don't know. Yeah. I had similar question about the uh, keyboard on the 11 inch versus the 12 inch uh, or 12.9 or whatever it is 
um, because the the photos make it look like the, the keyboard may be compressed on the 11 inch model. Yeah. Um, maybe uh, if you're already on the 11, then that then you're used to that size of a keyboard. But I, I I prefer the you know normal size. Yeah. I the the trackpad to me. I think you're right. I think this is Apple realizing that users don't always want to use their finger for input for whatever reason. For me, part of the reason I can't stand using the iPad for a long period of time is, as Brett alluded to, the fingerprints. I tend to have oily hands, and if I'm using the iPad a fair amount, I just get, you know, fingerprints all over the place. It's to the point where... um, I carry a nano or microfiber cloth with me. Yeah, me me too. And before I use it, I wipe it down. And after I use it, I wipe it down. And uh, (laughs) it's annoying to have to do that. But if I could pull it out, pull out the uh, iPad, click it to the stand, and then use a trackpad. So um, it's funny. It's funny, though, because it's like a different annoyance than my MacBook Pro. Because my MacBook Pro doesn't get fingerprints, obviously. But I don't know why, but every time I like put it in a bag or something, it comes out and it's just like covered with dust. And that doesn't happen on my iPad. I have no hmm. idea. Like, I don't know if it's because they're different sur- like surface. Your or... screen is covered in dust? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, weird. Like every time. And it's the same bag. So it's not like <laughs> it's not like it's like a different bag getting different stuff. I have You're no taking idea why. one bag exclusively to your construction job where the sawdust <laughs> is getting in there. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go talk to your coworkers. They're over there with <laughs> bag of, the vacuum dust from last week's vacuuming. Uh, yeah, so the new iPad Pro hardware it looks fantastic. It, like you said, Timothy, it's kind of a joke at this point how far ahead of the game Apple is with their ARM processors. And yep. there's this whole discussion about when, if, when are they bringing the ARM processors to the Mac? Um, but this touch or this uh, cursor input. So there's also mouse support, right? I didn't look into that. Yeah. Is that well, so, just any Bluetooth mouse? Well, so they they just officially added, and they, before they were calling it mouse or cursor support uh, with the developer previews for iPad OS, and now they're calling it trackpad support. So I would assume you can also use like a Bluetooth mouse with it, or even a USB one if you if you have the right adapters and everything uh, right now though your ipad has mouse support but it's considered an accessibility feature so you have to go turn it on in accessibility and not a lot of stuff like supports it for their actual features so um this is this is more robust being able to have apps actually fully support it so yeah, I'm mean, I'm curious to see how that plays out. And I mean, I think even Logitech announced cases for regular iPads that has a trackpad, like basically immediately after Apple announced theirs. So I'm curious if we'll see people market uh, Bluetooth trackpads and and mice for for the uh, iPads. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Uh, also, backlit keyboard. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that until took a couple of cycles through the site when I realized it's a backlit keyboard. That is awesome. Yep. I'm, 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 I am worried about how that's going to affect battery life though. We'll you have know, to see how that affects They it. have those like 
those lights are so low power. I think they've got that efficiency down pretty good. Also, the uh, the keyboard and the um, and the iPad both have a USB C port, which means you could right. probably just plug your keyboard into the iPad. Into you- <laughs> well, I think <laughs> pull a charge off it, of it. Well, no, what they actually said is so the the ports in the hinge on the keyboard. Right. And if you plug it in there, it charges both. Oh, that's even better. So you don't even have to. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so so your, your case is wirelessly charging your iPad if you have it plugged in. Right. If you have your keyboard plugged in. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Also this week, we... Was it this week? Yeah, this week. Wow. Uh, we got even more specs about the xbox series x um i put a link it was so recent that i put a link to this in the show notes of the last episode but we didn't talk about it because it wasn't out at the time um if i can figure out how to shorten the editing window that i have uh (laughs) this won't happen as much but yeah so the xbox series x uh full specs came out microsoft had a big old info dump. Um, they launched this gorgeous Xbox website with all these, you know, details and, uh, the Eurogamer digital foundry article tore into a whole bunch of those specs and, um, got some good info. I don't want to spend too much time because we, I feel like we had a pretty good rundown on it Yeah, in the last episode, but there, I think are a couple really good nuggets that came out of actually knowing the the tech. The su- most surprising thing for me was that this actually looks like a pretty competitive product, not just as a console, but as a gaming machine. They they're really the, the expectation go, and I think we even in the very original episode, the pilot, we kind of said that we thought this generation was just going to be mini PCs and mm-hmm. wasn't going to do anything really special. And uh, especially like reading digital foundries impressions and just because we know that's kind of cutting through a lot of the, the BS of marketing that the Xbox would put out. Cause of course they would, cause it's their thing. <laughs> um, this thing's pretty impressive and could have yeah. surprisingly powerful uh, gaming for, a console especially something that's this size and microsoft and i think the most surprising thing for me is especially with i think we all remember the xbox one launch where they didn't really talk a lot about the specs because they weren't they weren't that impressive and this time they have pretty much revealed everything about the specs and they have even let a bunch of press people go and put one together themselves and see that was a cool video to see yep to see how it's on almost how it just snaps together right like the different pieces it's it's really cool and and then they showed them obviously they didn't have any because it's a little too early they didn't have any xbox series x games running for them but they showed xbox one games running on it to show the improvements that it had and they showed switching between games in six seconds. So you, you could literally just switch from playing one game to switching to another game in six seconds flat. And, uh, 
yeah that, it was it was a very cool video that and it's clear that they're very confident that this thing's going to be powerful and and a good gaming machine uh one of the things that stood out for me and i don't want to hop into ps5 stuff too soon um when it came to storage i i was expecting the one terabyte um that didn't surprise me what was interesting for me though for expanded memory or expanded not, not memory excuse me for expanded storage they have a an expansion card now that is a proprietary piece built with a partnership with Seagate and you know a little bit of a blast from the past i guess uh, yeah it's like <laughs> nintendo 64 days yeah right but then when sony was talking about kind of their solution to it that made this look amazing yeah because <laughs> it's so simple i was just gonna say i, I think i think there's gonna be a, a lot of uh a lot of differing opinions on this mm-hmm. my my takeaway from it is the same one as yours i think microsoft's solution is a lot in a lot of ways the perfect solution not that they had the fastest ssds but that they wanted to make it so if you expand it the current uh, way to expand is USB, and that doesn't work that well. It worked okay last generation because the hard drives weren't that fast anyway in the console. Right. But when you get to SSD, having an external SSD is totally limited by the USB bus. Even with a USB-C drive, you're still limited by the USB-C bus. And then so they, they were like, okay, well, we're going to use PCI Express 4, to get, hook our SSDs, our SSDs really fast. But then, how do people expand? So they came out yeah. with this memory card system <laughs> that it's literally just as fast as the built-in storage, mm-hmm. and you only have one slot. But it's basically a memory card, so you can buy multiple memory cards and store your games on several of these memory cards, which I think is a really cool solution. Uh, and then you had Sony doing almost the exact opposite which is what happened last gen (laughs) where they made a really fast ssd like almost twice as fast as the one microsoft announced but if you want to expand you have to use an mvme card and it has to support pci express 4 which none do at the time that we're recording this yeah basically during the announcement or during the talk there's like and we expect that there will be these by the end of the year yeah uh, is that good enough and, and i mean uh, maybe for a gdc talk but yeah, not yeah. for like a public outing of how your system works and and on top of that they have to approve the mvme card yeah so yep. it, it can't be if it's too slow the system just won't support it period so and i know people are going to praise it though because of how fast their ssd is but they're going to be limited to their weird 825 25 gigabyte (laughs) storage which for i'll admit for the average user probably going to be fine for years but for power users people that play way too many games like me on their console I'm going to go through a terabyte, especially with next-gen games that can be 100 gigs in... Oh, so fast. In in like six months. So, yep. so it's going to be... It's going to be interesting to see how the reactions are to that. Michael, you've been quiet. What are your opinions? I was going to say, uh, 
we, as as you guys have very much alluded to, uh, we also got PlayStation Five specs today, and Sony had a not a press conference. It was it was essentially their GDC talk about the PlayStation Five um, to a fake viewer audience right and, and it, it was it was like they had this uh if you haven't seen it, i'll try to put a screenshot on the chat art for this it looks so awkward it's like mystery science theater 3000 sony gdc press conference thing it was it was just weird it was so tone deafly odd um yeah so sony also announced a whole bunch of playstation 5 info today and so it's been interesting to sort of quickly cull through the bits of information and find comparisons and similarities between the Xbox and the PlayStation. Um, I think, you know, these, these systems are pretty well established in their, um, the footprint for the users who are going to buy them. I think there are, you know, people who, who buy Playstations, there are people who buy Xboxes and there are, you know, it's a Venn diagram and there's like a smaller portion of people who have both. Both of these systems are are going to offer such compelling updates compared to the previous gen. Um, you know, it's when it came out, the Xbox One X, the the as of today, as we're talking, current high end Xbox, um, that's looking more and more like a stopgap product. Um, similar to the play, the, the PlayStation Four Pro definitely felt like a stopgap product. Oh um, gosh, yeah. But between between both systems, these new the PlayStation Five and the Xbox Series X, uh, they look fantastic. Yep. There are some really strange differences in the architectures like you you guys were talking about with the storage so sony um so well, the easier one is microsoft with the uh the storage in the xbox one x sorry the xbox series x um microsoft uses an nvme ssd which is basically what you're going to find in most any computer nowadays um in any pc computer is going to take a small you know, it's like the little kind of, I don't know, it's like a half a business card. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like a stick of RAM, if you know what a stick of RAM looks like. Yeah, it does. Yeah, with the but, but the pins are like on the wrong side. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're on the short side instead of the long side. And you, you pop that in your computer, and that's the SSD. Um, but NVMe is a bus that goes on the PCI bus and gives you really fast access. Um you know, Apple started doing PCI-based SSDs before NVMe was standardized. And uh, that's how they were getting ridiculously fast access to the disk. So Microsoft has a customized NVMe solution, but it's basically, for the most part, off the shelf as far as how the protocol works. So you're going to see similar bandwidth uh, which is about two and a half gigs a second um, of raw data access. So Sony, on the other hand, has their custom SSD solution, but it's not using the NVMe protocol. They're using a custom baked 
thing that ends up giving you five and a half gigs a second of access, um, which is just bonkers. Yeah. But yeah, it's just insane. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a massive amount of speed. But well, and I, I will say, even though the raw throughput is twice as fast, uh, Microsoft did have an interesting thing uh, that we'll have to wait and see how well it actually works. Uh, that they actually put a specific core, or like uh, I can't remember what it, what it was they called it, but basically. Uh, instead of it, it uses decompression to up that bandwidth from 2.4 gigabytes to up to or over six gigabytes per second gigabytes per second well so, so so this was uh this is where i was going is that both so both systems have dedicated custom made hardware encoder decoder chips or you know it's part it's part of the system it's part of the hardware of the system so that um it can read from these drives faster than the raw access so basically it's uh, all the data that's stored on the drive is stored in a, in a compressed format a um you know it's losslessly compressed so about as good as you can get with a lossless compression is about two to one um, yeah but that's true for you know that's how apple lossless audio um had worked and flack audio uh when you know you could have a wave file and re-encode it into one of those two lossless formats and it would be maybe half half the size probably not quite half as half as large right so that's kind of what we're getting here but this is done in hardware real time as the data comes off the drive which means that, yeah, so the real access, the real speed that you're going to see off of an Xbox Series X is around five gigs a second. Um, but the PlayStation is boasting up to eight or nine gigs a second because they also have their own compression system. Yeah. Uh, and the PlayStation has this strange, like, two tier compression thing. I didn't quite understand it. I only read sort of a high level overview, but they have the same kind of system that uh xbox is using the the zlib 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 yeah um and then and then they're doing like something a little extra to it the little sony sony sauce uh, which gets you like a 10 percent <laughs> increase on top of that well and and right there that's kind of the gist of the difference between these two is microsoft is super super open and playstation is like and we're doing something special and we're not <laughs> going to tell you what it is. So that's kind of like the difference between these two. So Sony's probably really impressive, but they, we don't actually know the full details, but, but also I was going to say, it's also interesting because their decompression thing, they said they had a tiered system and that's another thing that seems to be consistent among Sony's solution for their next gen console compared to xboxes because xboxes seems to be consistency like they use that word several times that right they want everybody that accesses or that uses their console to get consistent performance no matter what they're doing so that's why like they have the memory cards instead of letting you use uh off the shelf mvme cards because they want that when you expand your storage in your console, you get exactly what you would expect to get from internal storage. And, uh, and then their processor's the same, which is kind of a nuts thing that you don't see a lot. They're just running at max clock all the time. 
doesn't matter what the console's doing, they're running at max clock. Whereas you have Sony, who's using variable, where if it gets t- hit too hard, it's going to slow down. And they fully admit that. So it's going to be interesting to see how both of those architectures compare in the long run. Because I think at launch, they're probably going to be pretty comparable. They're not mm. that big enough of a difference in power that you're going to see much of anything, especially with launch titles not being fully optimized for either system. But I think five years from now, we might see the Xbox Series X edging out more and more against the PlayStation because you're going to start getting games that hit the PlayStation hard enough that are also an Xbox. And the Xbox is just going to look better because of those differences. But I don't know. We'll have to see. It's Yeah, that's a really excellent point you make about... um, sort of the theme of the console because the uh the, so microsoft does some strange stuff in these designs um, but if you look at it from that perspective it makes perfect sense um there's a the memory for instance on the series x has been split into two different access pools uh so the system has 16 gigs of memory which i'm I'm surprised both of these are shipping with 16 gigs. That seems like a very small amount of memory. Yeah. And mm-hmm. RAM is generally pretty inexpensive, although this is all GDDR6 stuff. So, you know, it's expensive. It's expensive compared to, I guess, what RAM usually is. Um, so these are both running, the PlayStation and the Xbox are running GDDR6 memory, 16 gigs of RAM. Sony, um, says that you can access their memory at 450 gigabytes a second. Microsoft strangely said, okay, we're going to give you 10 gigs of the memory at 560 megs a second, or sorry, gigs a second. That's 110, actually 112 gigs faster than what the PlayStation can do. Yeah. The other six gigs of RAM uh, part of which is what the operating system is going to use. Um, the other six gigs of RAM only runs at 330 gigs a second only. Um, why they divided it up that way is very interesting. It's v- it, at first it seems like um, kind of crazy. And from a developer perspective, now you can't just say, I need memory. I need this kind of memory, right? You have to mm. memory manage uh, from different pools. But um, if it means that if you're going to put high res textures in memory and you need to get those out really, really quickly, um, you know, the Xbox is going to be just that much better at it. It has a slightly faster G- a CPU, slightly faster memory. And I think that to your point, Timothy, like that's going to add up to in the long run, Xbox games being higher fidelity, more performant, which is kind of where we are right now with the current generation. Yeah. The Xbox one X one X is, is a better 4k gaming machine than the PS four pro. Um, you know, the Xbox one X can do native actual 4k output for destiny. The, uh, PS4 Pro does some upscaling stuff. It looks pretty good when it does it, but it's still not like native 4K. Yeah. 
So it's kind of a continuation of the trend that we've been seeing from these companies. Um, but I guess it really is going to come down to how, uh, how, how the developers utilize the hardware and what titles come out, you know, on different platforms. Yep. And I will say, I think the, the thing that's the most exciting about it is just that this is totally different from last gen last gen, both consoles kind of felt like you could build a PC on the day they were announced that was miles better. Whereas basically to get the same performance as this, we have a lot of people saying it'd be about an RTX 2080, which is a pretty close to the top line card uh, you can get for PC. So there's actually we're in a much better place at the beginning of this generation than we were at the beginning of last generation. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, Pretty exciting. Yeah. And both systems use PCIe four, which is like, that's very, that's forward thinking. And, um, it's, it's cool to see them both kind of on the bleeding edge of the various technologies that are available. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That, that isn't usually the case with the consoles. So, this will be a fun, uh, fun release cycle. Has Sony said what their release window is yet? Are we still? They said holiday, so I think they're both said holiday. So I yep. don't think they said it at the at this thing, but they've said before. Got it. That holiday. Yeah, and uh, there was a little thing from Xbox saying Thanksgiving 2020, and then Microsoft had to walk Quickly that back. Pulled, pulled that down. <laughs> it's like, oh, that would have been fun. Someone someone released some art either too early or did the wrong version. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and we've talked about this a lot, so I don't want to cover it too much. But for those of you interested in how this is going to play old games, uh, they showed the press a lot about how it's going to play old games improved. Like they 720p games playing at 4K at 60 frames per second, which is pretty cool. And in HDR, even if they didn't support HDR, which yeah, is crazy. This, this auto HDR thing for the Xbox Series X, uh, I'm wary about it, but not, <laughs> but not too much. Um, yeah. it, it's it's strange. They've they've done machine learning. They've taught this auto HDR system what an HDR game looks like using like. Uh, they said Gears, Gears of War five, yeah, um, which has a native in-engine HDR implementation. So they've they've taught this engine or this machine learning engine what HDR looks like from a game, and then they've taken that and piped you know footage from like Halo five, which didn't have HDR. Uh, they've piped that through the machine learning system, and the machine learning system has been able to modify the the output to the screen to have hdr where you'd expect to see you know you have brighter highlights and differently toned shadows um it's really curious i i i'm cautiously optimistic about it i have a feeling that there (laughs) there are going to be some titles that are it's going to be like they're going to have some bugs but the way microsoft has been handling back back compat um 
I fully expect them to jump on any bugs that are found and modify the system and, and tweak it so that um, you end up with a better experience in the yep. long run. Yep. Yep. We got our first bit of feedback, gentlemen. Ooh. Listener, listener Brian. Hi, hey, Brian. Brian. Uh, listener Brian wants us to find him a new Wi-Fi router. Uh, he's using an Apple Airport Extreme, the tower model, which is like <laughs> that's yeah, pretty that's old, very old. Uh, they don't they don't even make um, Airport anymore, do they? They have it not for a very long time. Uh, and so he wants our recommendations uh, about upgrading to a new Wi-Fi router. And so I thought I'd sort of take this moment to talk about what our Wi-Fi implementations look like and uh, see if you guys are having any struggles and see if we can find a good recommendation. Well, so I'm browsing Facebook Marketplace here. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a $45 one from Netgear. <laughs> he just said to find him one, right? He didn't ask for a good one. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. one. Well, and, and, and the rule with routers, the rule with routers is you want to spend as little money as possible on the router. <laughs> so like it, it's, it's an inverse relationship between price and quality. I've got a, it looks like there's a $25 one here. Uh, $20. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll end this bit. Honestly, it's like, it's actually one of the more difficult questions without more, more information. Um, like me, for example, I have, I, I basically, I rent, so I don't have a great, uh, solution for running wired throughout my entire place. So, I run a pretty expensive Wi-Fi uh, system with an Amplify Alien, which is their new Wi-Fi 6 mesh uh, router system. And it's great. It's fantastic. And Wi-Fi 6 has a lot of really good uh, changes that make it so that latency is eliminated in a lot of ways and packet loss and just all kinds of stuff through uh, waveforming or beamforming, sorry. Um but guessing most people probably don't need that kind of system. Well, it's interesting. We currently live in a very uh, square house. Uh, it's rectangular, but we've kind of positioned our router, and it's we don't do anything fancy. We just have the whatever the AT&T router that they give us. Um is kind of right up our our storage room or utility room is actually kind of in the center of the house um, in the basement. So we put it up on near the ceiling. So it's kind of in the, right in the middle of the house and we get pretty good coverage there, but we're moving to a house that's essentially three levels and we'll really need to rethink how we do that. So, you know, you're, Brian may have asked the question, but Brett needed the answer too. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, I think, I think I can speak for basically anybody that you talk to about wireless networks that knows anything is if you could go wired, wired's always the better option. There's, there's very few instances where Wi-Fi is going to beat out wired in anything other than convenience. Right. Getting a, you know, 100 foot ethernet cable um 
plugging one end into an adapter, a lightning adapter to plug into your iPhone. Um, and then having <laughs> the other plugged into the wall and you just like walk around the house and try not to get it snagged on chairs and things. It's not terribly convenient, but you'd have great, no. you know, network performance. Hey, are you making fun of the way that I use my <laughs> iPhone around my house? Oh, right. I wasn't supposed to tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Wi-Fi password? I just plugged this in. Uh, yeah, so I have a similar system to Timothy. I've got the, um, I think it's the first generation Amplify HD, which is uh, his, Timothy's is black, mine is white. Um his is also a lot faster than mine. Um, really, when it <laughs> essentially what Wi-Fi router is right for you comes down to a lot of different characteristics about the environment that you're in and the use use case that you're looking at. Um, I ha- the, the house that we live in was built in the 1930s. And has a ridiculous amount of, I think it's like plaster, um, in the walls. They, these walls block Wi-Fi like nobody's business. Um, <laughs> something about them, and it was really interesting to move in and you know plug in the router and you see, huh? I am not getting any signal. <laughs> like, yep, just, it's just like horrible. And so I played around a little bit. Uh, I already had the mesh system from a previous uh, apartment that we lived in that was built around the same time or the house was. And um, the mesh system really helped me out. So I have a, the base station is plugged in in a semi central location in the house, basically as central as I could get on the main level. And that serves most of the sort of living space that we have. But then I have a, um, the, the mesh, it's like the mesh, the mesh node, you know, like the, um, I have the, the mesh node plugged in kind of on the other side of the house and it's close to, um, my bedrooms upstairs and the den where I have like my, uh, TV and everything is downstairs from it. So the mesh node gets my bedroom and the den sort of covered on that side of the house. I actually am not using the second mesh node that came with the system. Um, I had plugged it in and I found that I was having uh, handoff issues where uh, the router on one side of the house, the router and one of the mesh nodes was competing for a little too much for you know, what device was connected to it. And I just didn't need that. So, um, I'm able to serve the house with these two, two pieces of equipment and it works pretty well. The network throughput isn't fantastic. Um, but it is reliable and I get signal all over the house. You know, I, I have at least a hundred megabits of throughput anywhere in the house, which is great for using on, you know, the iPad, the iPhone, my laptop when I'm, you know, anywhere in the house. Um, it's not going to be great for playing games on, um, because there is potential packet loss. Uh, and if you're playing games, you kind of want to avoid being on the end of a mesh. You want to be connected to the central unit as much as possible so that your signal isn't bouncing between units. But, um, 
yeah, it, the mesh system and mesh networks are so uh, ubiquitous now. <laughs> Ubiquity makes the amplify systems. <laughs> um, there, uh, there's Eero, I know, uh, in this space, E-E-R-O, and they make a very well-regarded system. I did not purchase it because when I was looking at systems, um, the Eero was slower than the Amplify uh, at the time. I don't know how that sits now. Um, it also, like, you have to look out for some of these um, companies offer or maybe require uh, subscriptions to stay up to date with uh, software patches. So you could install oh. a system. And if you don't pay them for continual updates, you won't get security patches. Or uh, the other thing is like the Google one, for example, you have to log in with your Google account right. to even manage your router, which for a lot of people that don't care, but if you're privacy focused at all, I would that's avoid a, that. Yeah, that's a no go for me. Like, yep, yeah, hard pass. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, it's bad enough with the Nest. I have I have a Nest thermostat, and they keep bugging me. Like, hey, you want to switch to your uh, you switch this to your Google account? Like, no, yeah. I really don't. <laughs> I'm going to say no until I cannot say no, and then I'm going to get a whoever else is making a smart thermostat. <laughs> that, that's why I did not go with Nest. Yep. Yeah, I went with Nest. Wait. I'm trying to remember. I feel like I went with Nest before they got bought with by Google. Or has the learning has the smart thermostat only been since the Google bought them? No, it, they got bought after. Yeah. They, I, okay. Okay. I'm pretty sure you were in before Google. Yeah, we have one of like the first generation ones, and honestly, I love it. I just I wish, <laughs> just wish Google hadn't bought them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as network hardware, so so. The problem with the mesh systems is they are expensive. Um, I think the Amplify HD is somewhere around three, four hundred dollars. Uh, I think the Alien is five something. Is that right? I, for well, it, so the, the it mesh is interesting because there are two ways you can go about a mesh system. You can buy them together in a package that saves you a little bit of money, or you can buy one and expand later, which will cost you more, but less is less money up front. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think the Alien one on its own is like three hundred eighty dollars, and together they're like six hundred dollars if you want right. to. Because the Alien system, I forgot about this. The Alien system is basically just more of those same central units, right? You don't have the right. the crazy wand dealy bob that you plug right. into the wall socket, right? And, and, right. well, and that's the way most mesh systems are going nowadays is all of them are the same unit. They're not, they're not like a one's a node and one's not a node. Um, you do, you have, do have cheaper options. Like even amplify, I'm pretty sure has one that's under $200 for like three, uh, mesh mesh units together, but you're also not going to get lightning fast speeds with that. So, you know, it's it, it it's it's pretty hard to just recommend one, like I said, just without knowing anything else. But uh Yeah, so the Amplify one is the uh Amplify Instant. Yes. That's yeah. what they call it. And that's yeah, what you were talking about. It's basically you buy individual nodes and you move them around your house. Um one thing that's interesting to note about mesh systems is that you have there are two different types. Um 
my system is an older model where the um what it's called the backhaul it's the communication between units on a mesh that um it's not like the end user traffic it's how the one unit gets data to the other unit on the network so if my laptop is in the den and i'm on the the mesh node then my data goes from the laptop to the mesh node and then the mesh node uses a backhaul system which is a in my case it's a different wi-fi frequency mm-hmm. to send data to the main base station and then the main base station has the wired ethernet and it sends the data out over the wired ethernet um the i believe the alien and the instant and like the Eero offer um, uh, Ethernet backhaul, which means that you can go plug a unit in somewhere in your house that you ha- have a wired network, um, and you don't have that double Wi-Fi problem, which is yeah. really cool. Mm, and that is very cool. Uh, next time I do a Wi-Fi network, uh, you know, I'd love to be able to have that kind of system. Because that means that if you're hitting a mesh uh, node, then your traffic is instantly put on the hard Ethernet wire and it goes out onto the network as though it were any other device on the Ethernet line. Um, so you just have that one one fewer hop over the Wi-Fi so you have less packet loss, less delay, um, and less interference. You know, your, your actual Wi-Fi network isn't competing with the backhaul wi-fi network for frequency and i will say so the the other thing i'd say is the the, i think the struggle you'll have right now so if your wi-fi is really bad and you need to upgrade then obviously upgrade but if if your wi-fi works okay and you don't have and you don't have like a pressing need to upgrade i wouldn't upgrade right now because wi-fi 6 is brand new and very expensive if you want it and you have uh, uh, Brian has an air uh, an airport extreme, which means at minimum or at uh, up to seven years old is the last airport extreme. So you're obviously going to stick with the router for a while. If you don't want to spend top dollar to get Wi-Fi six, then you might want to wait a couple of years so you can get Wi-Fi six. So then, when you do start getting Wi-Fi six devices you don't have to think about your router slowing you down. That $40 router on Facebook Marketplace looking pretty good right now. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. Yeah. And um, from a user usability perspective, um, the, the airport, the Apple airport line, as far as like networking equipment goes, um, it was, it was a very sad day when they canceled the product because Apple made some very, amazingly robust network equipment uh, whatever team they had working on that did a fantastic job with implementing standards um in a very forward-thinking way um apple always shipped the products with excellent security out of the box a lot of a lot of problems that have plagued other router manufacturers that was never a problem with Apple hardware because Apple was really on their game. And so I think Brian's going to, you know, want to 
and that's probably part of the reason why he still has the airport extreme is because right. he likes that user focused experience of being able to plug in a device. It works well, it's secure and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, every time I try setting up a new net gear, um, or a new Belkin router, uh, they're getting better and better, but you still have these bizarre security holes that pop up occasionally. You know, every few yep. months you hear about like, oh, well, it turns out, you know, every D-Link router made in the last four years needs to be updated yesterday <laughs> um, because of like some ridiculously stupid decision that somebody made in the engineering department. Um, I will say I haven't had that with Amplify. I've, I've had, it's been a more Apple experience for me. Um, and, and they, they are very user friendly. Um, as far as their interfaces, they're very simple. They're not like, like you'd log into a Linksys or a Netgear router. The last, the last time I used to used one, which was just a couple years ago, their interfaces are not user friendly at all. Um, Whereas the Synology, or sorry, the Amplify was very user-friendly and they have the advanced options, but they're not the thing that you're, they're not going to pop up in your face immediately when you come in. The stuff that you normally are going to log in to check and to change are up first. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Yeah. Which is how it should be. Yeah. And they, they sort of went the Apple route with this. The, The user interface doesn't let you change like the routing tables on the router um whereas the netgear the belkin can you can go in there and muck up the network all you like uh so if you need super duper crazy power user uh tools then the amplify system isn't what you want and the Eero system isn't what you want if you if you do want the power but you still want the security i think and i think going or michael would probably agree with me I'd probably go with the Synology router uh, or a Synology router. They work really well. I didn't really have any major problems with them. Uh, Coverage became a problem when I started using my home office quite a bit, which is why I upgraded to the Amplify. But other than that, if you just need a single Wi-Fi unit that has advanced features without security issues, I think I'd probably recommend a Synology. The Synology... uh... Our RT2600AC is Synology's top of the line. It used to be pretty fast. Now it's pretty mediocre um, Wi-Fi router system. And that's a full-blown, like, it has all the tools and functionality that you need and don't need. Um, They have been pretty good about doing security patches. They haven't had major issues over the last several years Um, for couple of years I used, I had two of them. One of them hosted a VPN server. That's actually another thing that's, uh, you know, something you might think about if you want to have a road warrior set up where you're going to be out somewhere and you want to connect it back to your home network to access your files in a secure fashion. Um, you know, the, the Synology router can host a VPN connection for you and, um, it works really well. And I had an office to office VPN connection where I was, had my home 
office set up and then I had a uh, I was working out of a co-working space and I had a dedicated desk and I had a Synology router on either end and they tunneled into each other and I could be on either network as though it was the local network worked great totally flawless um they're not much to look at they're kind of they look like cheap plastic uh you know routers you'd, and, th- you'd think they yeah. were a normal <laughs> netgear router <laughs> yeah yeah well, except for they don't look like uh, a gamer router dude no, no. uh with but like 12 antennas and they do have four red though. red lights they do have four antennas there is a reason for that um yeah, I would absolutely recommend this analogy. I think, though, that if you're looking for just simplicity and performance, I I would, at price aside, I would go with the Amplify Alien because yeah. it is a uh, – it's that forward thinking. It's that new technology, and it's implemented in a very, very clean fashion. Um, it's backed by a company who does actual professional – high-end networking gear. Um, so to see them implement a user accessible system um, was pretty surprising and cool. And they've really refined it over the last couple of amplified generations. So whatever team they have working on that uh, has their acts together, which is cool. So yeah, if we're going to spend all your money, I'd go with an Amplify <laughs> Alien. If you want to spend most of your money, I'd go with the Synology 2600. I I don't know if they still sell it, um, but Synology had a lower end model and they also have a mesh system now where you can get like mesh add-ons. Um, and they but just, it's just, and they but just, it's just the 26. The, yeah. Sorry. Go right. Ahead. You need the 2600 as a base, as like a central base station. And then the mesh units are a totally separate thing. Um, but I wouldn't get their lower end model. Uh, that is very old and can't keep up with like, most fast internet connections. Uh, and I think it's probably on its way out if they haven't gotten rid of it already. I didn't research before this. So I don't have any, um, recommendations because well, I'm your recommendation uninformed. Is that, <laughs> it's that $40 router. <laughs> That's right. Yes. The $40 router, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very, I, I think I'm excited about this. <laughs> HBO has a series lined up for the last of us uh neil neil Druckmann and craig made so neil was the creative director on is the creative director over at night dog on last of us and craig mazin is the is essentially going to be the the writer producer of the show yeah they both commented uh, on twitter craig mazin of chernobyl fame yes Yes. Which, uh, if that's not a feather in your cap, man, I don't know what is, because that was a fantastic piece of television. Yep. Such a good show. I I am nervously excited about this. The story of The Last of Us is, is dear to me, uh, as I think many people who have played it. And uh, those characters are going to... Uh, f- so, so what they have said is that The Last of Us television series is going to cover the events of the original game and potentially yeah. some some material from the new game that's coming out in may yeah and it, it, it'll be interesting to see how because the adaptations we've seen for video games so far which i don't think many there's many out there that people love uh haven't i don't think they've ever really been faithful to the game 
So I'm going to be interested to see with a game that actually has a really uh, revered story. Probably, I, th- I I can't think of another game that's been made into a video game or made into a movie that's had a revered story before it was made into a video game. They usually go for, uh, or into a movie, they usually go for games that are popular, not games that are really good stories. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're actually yep. taking a story from a game that in its own right is really good and was critically acclaimed just for the story. I don't know if that's better or worse because <laughs> if you had a crappy story and you're trying to adapt it, you can do whatever you want. Nobody's going to care. We're talking about a story that most people that played that game had an emotional connection to. If they don't get it right, they're going to get, oh, they're going to get hammered for it. Burn so bad. Yeah. You know, Craig, uh, the writer producer is also a, a very big last of fan. He's a big gamer and the fact that he's working on it plus you know neil is not just there as a like hand wavy i'm i had my two cents he's he's part of the creative team behind it as well he's uh, not gives, an executive producer <laughs> right right <laughs> he doesn't just get a check or write a check um that give that gives me hope, and I'm I'm obviously not as attached to this story as either of you. I did the uh, since I have never played it, I've done the uh, the Cliff Notes version on YouTube to you know see where the story is. It, it's a very good story, um, very emotional. I'm really excited to see what they do for it in a you know eight to ten hour, twelve hour uh, run. I, and and I think the only worry I have is just that uh, fans of it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make something good. Because I think uh, we complained quite a bit about Star Wars and I think in a previous episode. And, you know, the people that are making those new movies are fans. So, oh, yeah, I yeah. think th- I that's think that's, true. I think that's the reason why I'm nervous is because what I took out of it isn't going to be the same thing that Craig took out of it. And we'll see what he focuses on art is subjective is that what you're telling me exactly we should take notes on that i think that's groundbreaking right I, there I, that pretty we, much we came yeah. off that boom i should write a book sell it never have to work again <laughs> <laughs> um if you were to if you were to sit down and say okay michael how do you take a well-loved story video game and turn it into a television show. And I would say you've got to sit down and you've got to have the person who created the thing in the first place, be part of the team, right? They've got to, and not just sign off on it or tell, tell people, okay, this is what the story was going to be. And these were our thoughts. And then just collect a check. They've got to be integral to the actual development of the story. Um, and you've got to have somebody at the helm who gets the content. I think my main complaint about the star Wars movies was that JJ Abrams is a fan, but he didn't get the content. I don't, <laughs> I, I have a lot of creative, um, how do you say dissonance <laughs> with JJ Abrams? Uh, and same thing with star Trek. I don't, I, there are certain elements in that, that I think he, he liked, but as a fan, but didn't get the content. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, Craig Mazin, we don't know 
if he got the last of us, I'm hoping that he did. Um, the fact that he can put together such a tightly knit story way better than anything JJ has ever put out. And something uh, tragic, something tragic with Chernobyl, a well put together and tightly knit story. Uh, it tells me that he's capable of doing this and he knows how to, um, put together story beats in a world that is, that already exists, right? Like Chernobyl was a thing that happened in real life and he was able to sculpt his story around that and stay faithful to the actual event. I'm hoping that with the last of us story, he can take something that exists and sculpt a story around that in a similar fashion. Well, and I think the problem's going to be, uh, if there is a problem, is that it is telling the same story. Uh, if it was telling a new story in the universe, I would be like 100% on board, especially with Neil Druckmann being there. And I think a lot of people would be too. The fact that it's telling the same story makes me much more nervous because we already know that story. We've seen that story. We played that story. Now somebody else is going to reinterpret it. it. What is it going to add that we didn't already have? Right. I I think... So is this going to be a like single run season like Chernobyl or is the idea for this to be a recurring, uh, you know, ongoing series? Uh, they haven't said. Yeah, I don't think they've said. And I think that kind of that question is important because if you're going to open this up and tell sort of retell the, the game story with the first season um, and then have it branch off and become its own thing, that's a very different approach than just saying we're doing this one-off story and done. It's interesting. Uh, as I like to say, <laughs> it's, it's interesting, <laughs> but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Also casting is going to be hell. I mean, anybody yeah, who's oh not Troy Baker or and Ashley um, Johnson, Ashley Johnson is going to inherently be wrong for the part even <laughs> if they're really really good in the part yeah um and that's exactly the stuff i'm talking about it's, it's it's recasting and retelling all the stuff that we've all that so many people become attached to that even if it's amazing it's still gonna feel weird yeah i, I mean which witcher on the on as a comparison isn't a video game movie but it's about a franchise that has a video game attached to it told us a story that nobody really saw before. None of that's in the games or if it's in the games, it's side quests or something that they talk about that already happened. Yeah. And pretty, pretty universally hated, right? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, no, just in some parts of the country, just, just on the, what the fanboy podcast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I mean, there are a lot of people that don't like the books that it's based on. No, I'm reading through the books right now and the difference in tone surprised me between yeah. the show the show and the game are definitely of one um uh interpretation of the material and then the at least the first books the early stuff uh i don't know how it changes maybe later on it shifts to be more like the game i i actually i tried to continue the book series and I, I couldn't get into them after after those initial series of short stories, which are really interesting. It's I found it much less interesting after that. Uh, it, 
there's even there's even a point in the book series where Geralt's like, I'm not a witcher anymore. I should stop calling myself a witcher because he literally never fights monsters after a certain point. <laughs> He's just not a witcher anymore. Um, the Witcher series has a ton of leeway. The Witcher TV series can do pretty much whatever they want after this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fan, the majority of fans are from the game, not from the book series. They're going to be happy because it's telling something they've never seen before. So as long as they nail the tone of the game and the personification of of the main characters, they're probably going to be happy. The Last of Us, on the other hand, bringing it back around, it's telling the story we already have. Yeah. I, You know, a lot of people, though, I've wanted to be able to share the story of The Last of Us sure. with friends and family who are not gamers. And there's no way I'm going to have, you know, my sister who, who enjoys like a good story. Uh, you know, there's no way she's going to sit down and play the game or watch the the Cliff Notes version on YouTube. Um, yeah to just get the story. So if they really do a good job of, of adapting the story to a short run series, a mini series, um, then maybe that's just adding to the number of people who can experience what the last of us was about. Yeah. And if they do it right, um, then maybe that's all it needs to be. Yeah. We'll just have to wait and see. Yes, we will. There's no release on this, right? Like there, this is like pre-production still. Like we, we have no idea. Oh it. yeah. Yeah. We're, we're a ways away. Okay. I look forward to, to watching it. Me too. Me three. I also look forward to playing last of us two, which is coming out couple, May couple 29th. Yeah. Yeah. playstation 4 yet i haven't shipped it to him yet. oh i'm this, gonna have to give him this, my new address at this, this COVID point <laughs> thing hit like right in the middle of me getting that ready so you haven't played last of us correct no no that that actually might be good though because to have one person that hasn't played it yeah do you know anything about it oh yeah 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 no i've okay i you, long oh. you have something to talk about yeah, at All some right. point in the past, I figured I'm probably never going to play this game. So I did the whole like, 
watch kind of the story beats and, oh, the, and the eight hour like movie version of it or whatever yeah yeah essentially yes so so, so you've I, seen the good parts about the last of us exactly it looks like an amazing game because they yeah. cut out everything that's bad <laughs> well and that's not to say the gameplay's bad but it would seem very outdated nowadays right. yeah 